You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore dadam. Well, we had some fun at uh, the rest of the NFC North's expense. Hope you enjoyed that. Don't know how often we're going to have weeks like that where all three are kind of in despair. Even the team that won and the Packers are flying high. So wanted to take advantage of that. We do have to turn our attention to the um, Kansas City Chiefs. So figured we'll talk about the injury report now that it's been finalized. Um, talk about the Kansas City Chiefs and see where we're at. If there's time, I'd like to uh, maybe get on some calls. If not, then not. But as usual, very, very lengthy injury report. Some of these guys are going to play, but I just want to read it anyways, just for effect, because it's friggin' crazy. Jair Alexander, Devondre Campbell, Kenny Clark, Josiah DeGuara, A.J. Dillon, Rudy Ford, Rashawn Gary, Aaron Jones, Keyshawn Nixon, Jaden Reed, Robert Rochelle, Darnell Savage, Eric Stokes, Dontavian Wicks, and Devontae Wyatt. For the Kansas City Chiefs, it's Jarek McMin- McKinnon, Nick Bolton, Brian Cook, Kadarius Toney, Rasheed Rice, Donovan Smith, Legereus Sneed, and Sky Moore. Of the Kansas City Chiefs list, the only two that are actually um, have like a status, in other words, they're not... 100% full go, Jarek McKinnon and Nick Bolton. The only one out is Nick Bolton, linebacker. Jarek McKinnon, the running back, is questionable. For the Packers, the only ones that are playing are Kenny Clark, A.J. Dillon, Rashawn Gary, Keyshawn Nixon, and Devontae Wyatt. That leaves 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 that are at best questionable. 10 compared to the Chiefs' 2. Questionable are Jair Alexander, Devondre Campbell, Josiah DeGuara, Rudy Ford, Jaden Reed, Robert Rochelle, Darnell Savage, and Duntavian Wicks. That's obviously good development for some people like Jair Alexander, guys that we haven't seen in a while, Rudy Ford, hopefully we see some of these guys back, Josiah, if you're into that kind of thing, which, whatever. Um... More negative news for guys that we haven't seen on this list. For example, um, Jaden Reed. Jaden was on the injury report technically, but he wasn't. He was a full go. He was fine. Everything was good, but uh, he's got a chest injury. Did not participate in practice on Wednesday or Thursday. Was limited on Friday and is questionable to play. But uh, Eric Stokes is doubtful, which is maybe a positive development for him. Aaron Jones officially out for this game. So we've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight questionables that we'll end up seeing who ends up playing and who doesn't. I do wonder if the Packers, you know, there's always going to be, I would assume, maybe not, maybe it's it's the medical staff just comes in and they have their official diagnosis and that's it. But I I do wonder if there's any lean, eh, probably not. Now, Now that I think about it with the whole medical staff thing, but I just wonder if there's any amount of leeway within the um, 
the way these things work because this is a relatively big game. If they can pull this out, obviously, it's pretty massive. All right, so anyways, let's turn our attention to the Kansas City Chiefs. Chiefs are currently 8-3 and three on the season in terms of their point totals. Um, their offense ranks 11th, their defense ranks 3rd. They lost to the Lions early in the season. We've talked about that ad nauseum. Shouldn't have happened. Then they went on a six-game win streak over the Jaguars, the Bears, Jets, Vikings, Broncos, Chargers. I don't know if any of those are necessarily super respectable. Jaguars are decent. Broncos became decent, but I don't think it was in that same time span. And then they ended up losing to the Broncos the next time around week eight anyways, 24-9. to um, They did beat the Miami Dolphins, which definitely is a uh, promising thing. But then they came out of the gate, lost to the Philadelphia Eagles, and beat the Raiders. In terms of DVOA, they are ranked third overall, and they actually have the offense ranked higher than the defense, presumably based on the teams that they've played. If we look at it on a week-to-week basis, the Chiefs' offense has been positive, at least it was for every game to start the season. They had their first negative game week six, but it was basically dead even, and then week seven was another positive game. However, in week eight, it was negative 39, positive seven by week, negative 6, and then positive 41.4. So the 41 is good, but we're talking two out of the last four games, the offense has been graded as negative. As for the defense, it's been much more consistent, but it's had three bad games, one of which being this past week, week 12, with a positive 18.6%. If we flip back and look at some of the, um, cannot think of the friggin' word, whatever, when the team wins and when the team loses, anything over 20 points, so far the Chiefs are undefeated offensively. When they score more than 20 points, they have won every single game, which obviously speaks very highly of their defense. They are 2-3, and however, when they don't get to 21 points. So as far as our defense is concerned, try as hard as you can to keep them under under 21 points, which is a tall order, obviously. Interestingly enough, though, they have not won a single game when a team has scored more than 20 points. It's so weird that there's such a defined line at 21 points. That obviously speaks pretty low of their offense. Now, they've scored more than that, but every single time a team has scored 21 or more points, Philadelphia scored 21, Detroit scored 21, Denver scored 24. They lost all three. Vikings scored 20, Jets 20, Chargers 17, Raiders 17, Dolphins 14, Bears 10, Jaguars 9, Broncos 8. Those are the games they've won. So keep 21 in the back of your mind. Um, Pretty high correlation with passing yards. Anything 266 and above, they are undefeated. Underneath, they are, again, 2-3. and three. Could just call it 250 because it's a pretty big gap there. And then as far as turnovers, surprisingly, when they turn the ball over, there isn't a high correlation. In other words, you know, if they turn the ball over this many times, they lose. It's not really a thing. But when they get two or more turnovers, they're undefeated. It's only 3-0, and oh, but they are undefeated. If you keep it under two turnovers, the Chiefs are just 5-3. and three. So one or less turnovers, they're only 5-3. and three. Something else to note, um, they are actually one of the worst run defenses in football, which obviously would work to our favor, considering we're not very good at it. They rank 28th, allowing 4.6 yards per attempt. They're also not a super fantastic rushing team. This has always kind of been the case. They're a passing team. But they rank 17th, just getting uh, 4.2 yards per attempt. If we flip it over to PFF, um, they have the Kansas City Chiefs actually ranked as the 11th best football team. They have them tied for 11th on offense with the Seahawks and have them as the 21st ranked defense. Now, this doesn't massively surprise me because PFF always hates their players. And remember, this is just a 
accumulation of player grades. On offense, not surprisingly, the highest graded is Patrick Mahomes. The second highest graded is Travis Kelsey. After that is wide receiver Rasheed Rice, followed by uh, halfback Isaiah Pacheco, and then center Creed Humphrey. The only other two with positive grades is a little bit of a drop down, but 72 grade for guard Trey Smith and guard Joe Thune. If we go a little bit closer through it, um, Patrick Mahomes has a 90.2 passing grade while kept clean, but just a 64.1 grade while under pressure. So this is similar to last week. It is a really elite quarterback when he doesn't face pressure. Definitely not the case when he is under pressure. He is uh, 65 of 129 for 879 yards, three touchdowns, and six interceptions when he's under pressure. That is a 50.4% completion rate and double the interceptions to touchdown. While kept clean, he is 215 of 282 for 2,040 yards, 18 touchdowns, three interceptions, 76.2% completion percentage. His turnover-worthy play rate goes from 1.9% of his passes to 4.4% of his passes. Another thing to note for Pat Mahomes is that the deep passing, not super great, just a 65.2 grade. Um, He is completing 28.6% of his passes beyond 20 yards, just 12 of 42, 403 yards, one touchdown, and six, six interceptions. He's only thrown nine interceptions. Six of them have come in passes 20 yards or further down the field. There is no deep passing for this offense. It's terrible. As for the receiving, again, it's Travis Kelsey and Rasheed Rice are the two guys that are really graded quite well. Um, If we look at it from a target standpoint, Travis Kelsey, then Rasheed Rice, followed by Justin Watson. Watson has just a 65.7 grade. Isaiah Pacheco is the next highest targeted receiving option. Then you have Sky Moore and Kadarius Toney, who are in the 50s and 60s. MVS doesn't come in until you get down to seven, tied with Noah Gray, who is a backup tight end. Um, Running the ball, again, Isaiah Pacheco is their top running back. Definitely not Clyde Edwards-Alaire, who was uh, drafted very high and has hardly played at all this year. I mean, he's been in 10 games, but he's only uh, had 38 attempts. But anyways, Isaiah Pacheco is their guy. 158 attempts, 669 yards, 4.2 yards per attempt, five touchdowns, no fumble, 79 grade. Pat Mahomes also has an 86.5 rushing grade. He does a really good job on the ground. That was another thing, too, where his rushing grade goes through the roof when he's under pressure. So that is something to be concerned about. His passing completely drops off, but he is definitely a threat with his legs. Kind of an underrated aspect of his game, I think, because he's not, you know, an elite speed guy necessarily. He's just, he's, he's kind of like uh, Jordan Love, honestly. It's not about the speed, it's about the efficiency. And then the offensive line, we've talked about some of these guys, but uh, Donovan Smith, their left tackle, is really not grading out super well. Um, Seemed like when he was in Tampa Bay, he was doing a better job. He kind of fell off a cliff a little bit last year in Tampa, went over to Kansas City, they picked him up, and he did not improve. He has a 59 pass blocking grade, a 46 run blocking grade. He's given up 41 pressures so far this year. That is the second most of any offensive lineman behind only Orlando Brown in Cincinnati. So that is obviously something to take advantage of and probably has something to do with the offense not exactly being all it can be. When you talk about a quarterback that struggles under pressure and having the second worst offensive tackle in football in terms of of, uh, pressures, that's not fantastic. Uh, Left guard, as I mentioned, Joe Thune. 
An 81 pass blocking grade, he is obviously doing a great job there, but a 63 run blocking grade, he'd make a great Green Bay Packer. Creed Humphrey, um, 79 grade, 78 run blocking, 76 pass blocking. Everybody knows him. Everybody loves him. Again, he's not quite as good as he was you know, last year, the year before, whatever, but still a good football player, uh, pass and run blocking. Trey Smith, also that way, but slightly lesser. 69 pass blocking, 74 run blocking, and then right tackle. Again, the tackle is not nearly as good as the interior. Jawan Taylor, 66 pass blocking, 45 run blocking. So the tackles are really not great, and that should open up some opportunities for our guys on the outside to really tee off. At least they really need to. Man, we're going through this fast. It's like I was going to take a break before PFF. I was like, oh, it's been six minutes. I was like, I'll do the offense and then the defense. But it's been 12 minutes. Tell you what, let's take a break because it's kind of getting late on my end anyways. And we got to kind of break it up a little bit. But it looks like we're going to get to some calls today, which is good because we've got a lot of them. We'll take a break. We'll come back and take a look at their defense. We'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, working inside out, Chris Jones is their uh, truly elite football player, although he's actually not the highest graded, but he's a very good football player on the interior. Um, He is their number one defensive tackle, uh, at least in terms of snap counts. I have to differentiate because in Green Bay, being the best doesn't mean you get the most snap counts. Uh, 79.6 overall grade, a 67 run defense, 81 pass rush. He has 37 pressures and nine sacks on 295 attempts. He's a good football player, primarily a pass rusher, but pretty well-rounded. After that is Derek Nadi. Um, I'll be happy when I don't have to say his name anymore, because I don't even think I'm saying it right. Never have been. Doesn't matter. 36 PFF grade. He's not good. And then Tershawn Wharton would be uh, their third interior guy with a 50.3 grade, 48 run defense, 56 um, 
pass rush, just six pressures on 149 attempts. So that's sub 5%. That's awful. Off the edge, they got George Karloftis. It's a first round pick. You know, they've had some picks that have really not panned out. And again, like a lot of these teams, they all get passes. I don't know why everybody gets a pass. The 49ers get a pass. The Jets GM apparently is a genius. Their team sucks. Uh, The Chiefs, I think, don't draft extremely well. But they got Mahomes, so they're geniuses. But uh, Karloftis is a first-round pick, 59.8 grade, 56 run defense, 64.9 pass rush. Um, After that, Mike Dana, 62.7 grade, 60 and 58 for the same things. Looking at linebacker, Drew Tranquil, 67.3 grade. Uh, However, that's a little bit better than it looks because he has an 85 pass rush grade, which isn't obviously his primary Goal, 69.6 coverage grade, but just a 49.5 run defense grade. Willie Gay is their second linebacker, 61.4, 75 run defense, 46 coverage, so he's their run defender. And then their third linebacker is Leo Chanel. I'm sure Badger fans remember him. Badger linebackers always do well in the NFL, and they don't get as much, and which makes sense because they're really good in college too, but... Um, He has a 76 grade, 73 run defense, 70 tackling, 73 pass rush, and a 67 coverage. I mean, he's just solid across the board, dude. And then at corner, number one corner is Legereus Need, not in terms of talent, but in terms of um, snaps, 60.2 grade, 60.6 coverage. Trent McDuffie is actually a stud, 85 overall grade. He has been fantastic this year. This is year two for him. He took a big jump from year one to year two, at least seemingly has. 85 overall, uh, 77 coverage, but also has a 78 run defense and a 92 pass rush grade. Then finally, at safety, Justin Reed, 60 grade-ish, and then Brian Cook, 65 grade. So average safeties. So really, I mean, the, the, I guess, stars of the team would be on the interior, you got Chris Jones, and then at corner, you got Trent McDuffie. Otherwise, you got some decent players. I mean, Nick Bolton, again, is solid, but he's not going to be playing. Um, It's more or less it. And for some reason, on kick returns and punt returns, they have not been able to stop rotating. Um, They've had five kickoff returns this year, which seems incredibly low. Um, And it's been three, four different returners for five different returns. I don't understand that. Uh, Same with punt returns. They've had four different returners on their 28 um, punts, punt returns. Eight for Montreal Washington, seven for Mecole Hardman, seven for Richie James, and six for Kadarius Toney. The highest graded is Kadarius Toney with a 64 punt return grade. The other ones are terrible grades. Um, It sounds like they're really struggling to find some consistent returning and have been consistently rotating this. As far as their kicker, though, um, they have one of the best, if not the best, kickers in football right now. Harrison Butker is a 91 grade. He has made 28 out of 28 extra points and 20 out of 20 field goals. You can't do much better than that. That includes um, three from 50-plus yards out. So there you go. Anyways, why don't we rip through a couple calls here? What's going on, man? It is Carson Caldwell from Cleveland, Ohio, once again. What's up? Uh, I called in earlier and just kind of laid down what I was doing um, without calling in because I hadn't called in for a while. And um, during that, I forgot to tell you what I actually wanted to say. So basically, um, I just want to talk about how we just beat the Chargers. We just beat the Lions. We beat the Rams. um, And people aren't really giving us much credit. 
Uh, we beat the Chargers, and it was, well, the Chargers beat themselves, or the Chargers aren't really that good. We beat the Lions, and it's like, yeah, well, are the Lions really that good? I mean, they've been bad for so long. Like, they're just not that good of a team, and uh Jared Goff played bad and all this stuff. And it's like, man, would you just give the Packers some credit for once? Like, we have been playing such good football against everybody. Even the Steelers game that we lost, we should have won that game. We played better than the Steelers. We had a few costly mistakes in that game, but overall, I mean, we played really well. And so at what point are the Packers going to get the credit that they, that they deserve? If we go out on Sunday night and beat the Chiefs, are they, are they going to say, hey, man, the Packers are pretty good? Or are they going to say something like, oh, well, Patrick Mahomes didn't have any receivers, blah, 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 you know? So when are the Packers going to get this credit? And have any, has anybody ever thought that maybe uh, Jared Goff played bad because the Packers killed him? Because the Packers got to him every single time and they outplayed the Lions? It's never all oh, the Packers outplayed the Lions and made the Lions play bad. It's always been all oh, the Lions had a bad game because the Lions just played a bad game, not because the Packers are any good. And so maybe just look at it from a different angle and say, yeah, the Lions played bad, but why did they play bad? Because the Packers went in there and punched them in the freaking mouth. That's why they played bad. So anyways, the Packers just need some credit, and I hope they get it soon. But um, other than that, I got nothing. Go Pack Go. Hopefully we beat the Chiefs. If we do, that'd be great. If we don't, uh, that would kind of suck. But uh, I think we're going to make the playoffs, hopefully. Um, but, yeah, that's all. See you later. I think if the Packers beat the Charger, or excuse me, the the Chiefs on Sunday night, that there's not going to be any more dispute. I mean, it just it can't be. If it happened in a vacuum, and you know they imploded like they did against the Lions, then yeah, maybe. But going on a win streak, especially back to back wins against Detroit in Detroit, and then beating. The defending Super Bowl champions, you're beating two of the top teams in the entire NFL back-to-back, and the Packers look good doing it, you know, there's no doubt. And, and you know, the Lions game, I think, has gotten people's attention. You know, the Chargers game didn't, like you pointed out, because of whatever. The Lions game, I think, did, but it's sort of a, some people are starting to say, I think the Packers are going to be good. Some people are all in on Jordan Love now. And for a lot of people, I think including Packer fans, including myself, it's sort of a, all right, I see it. I want to believe it. Keep showing me. And again, the the biggest deniers in the world are going to have to acknowledge that there's at least to some degree something very real going on here if they beat the Chiefs. Now, if there's more excuse making and everything else than there is praise, um, then we'll definitely have something to say about that on the uh, the old podcast. Hey, Ryan, it's Craig from Indiana. Howdy. Uh, it's been so cool to be listening to uh, Packernet After Dark, just the excitement and energy that everyone has after that Lions game. Um, I absolutely loved it. I thought I called in, but I, I don't think I ever heard it after the game. But great game. Um, just really excited for for uh, the future of this team. Uh uh, other than our kicker, I thought it was a really solid game by everyone, and uh, hopefully he can uh, he can be a little bit more consistent. But um, we are going to, when I say we, my brother and I are going to the Kansas City game at Lambeau this weekend. 
So very excited about that. We're taking uh, two uh, friends from uh, childhood. One was my brother's best man. Uh, he is a Kansas City fan, so I'm sure I'll get maybe some grief from uh, from uh, your audience. But uh, there is something very exciting about taking someone to Lambeau for the first time, and, and he's never been there. They were he was born in Wisconsin and moved to Indiana, but uh, has never been to Lambeau or his brother who graduated with me. So um, just excited. It's 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 just really cool to to uh, introduce someone to that experience. So excited about the game. Sounds like it'll be cold, maybe some snow, but that's cool. And uh, so far, every time I have brought a uh, opponent fan with me, I did that last year. My boss and his brother was the Dallas game. Uh, was that last year or two years ago? But anyway, we just romped all over, which is cool. Um, so I have pretty good luck when that happens. So hopefully that continues this week. Uh, go Pack Go. And we'll talk soon. Bye. Well, I hope you guys have a lot of fun, Craig. That sounds like it'll be a fun experience. I do hope it snows. Well, maybe I don't. I don't know. It'd be cool for the the ambiance of it all. Maybe if it's snowing hard enough, we won't be able to see Taylor Swift and they'll stop showing her if she's even there. I don't know. But that would be a perk. I'm sorry. I'm trying to watch a football game. I don't need the cameras up on her. I'm trying to show me the football players playing the football game. That's why I tuned into the game. Freaking crying out loud. Um, also, I did see you let's see you called the very next day, 848. So sometimes I will accidentally skip one, but you called back to back. It's pretty unlikely that I would have skipped both of them. But who knows? I do stupid things sometimes. Sorry if I did do that, but I hope you have a great time. Hopefully it's a uh, Packers win and you don't have to hear a bunch of grief that entire uh, ride back. Hey, it's Pepper up in Amory. Hey. I, I don't like doing the research, so I'm going to make you do it. I, I kind of think I remember who it was. But I had seen last year the Packers traded up or traded down one of their second-round picks and traded it down again. I don't remember if it was the third time, too, or not. But they ended up with those picks taking Jaden Reed, Dentavian Wicks, and Carl Brooks. I don't remember if there's a third or a fourth one, but, you know, a lot of the people saying the GM's doing horrible, just that one thing right there, not a lot of teams can even get those three picks, but making them off of one second-round pick, I think that's pretty good. All right, go, Pat, go. Yeah, and I'm, I'm not going to do the research, but, um, you know, it's very easy to point out the misses. Most picks miss that's not the point though look at the hits look at the positives and then compare the positives i mean any freaking idiot can sit around and point out well look at this player look at this player look at this player it's about consistency how consistently does a team continually miss over and over and over again yeah first round picks are the biggest one because that's where the, the highest hit rate is but how many teams have as many hits in the later rounds as the packers have how many times do you see fourth-round, fifth-round, sixth-round guys popping off the way that Packers players? There are some examples in the NFL, no doubt. But you want to get rid of this GM and bring somebody else in, you better be prepared for absolute hell on earth because there are some terrible situations where they're not even hitting on first-round picks, much less mid- or late-round picks. This entire narrative that the Packers are only good because of Aaron Rodgers and everybody else sucks is the dumbest pile-of-crap narrative ever. 
There are bad teams all over the NFL, and they're bad, not because they don't have Aaron Rodgers, but because they have GMs who pick bad players all the time. And then they go out and spend tons of money in free agency getting all the guys that you want GMs to pick, and they fail, and they flop because they suck, because their GM is an idiot who thinks, I'm going to go spend way too much money on a big-name player that hasn't done jack squat in two years because he's a big-name player, and I want to get all my fan base excited about it. Not saying I'm just t- saying. Let's take our final break. We'll come back and listen to see uh, listen to some Jersey Mike. Hey Ron, it's Jersey Mike. Hey. Uh, so I'm hoping you get to this message before uh, game day. Got it. Um, because I want to make a prediction for the game. Okay. I say we win this game. Twenty-seven, seventeen. Okay. Just for reference. Jersey Mike, I'm not going to remember. So you call in and remind me. This was Wednesday at 1.30. Or what? some of you other guys with those super-powered memories. Wednesday at 1.30, find the Jersey Mike call. He predicted 27-17. Just saying. I mean, here, here's where my thought process is. All right. All right. I, watched, I watched that game versus the Raiders. And the Chiefs did not start Slow out Slow down, Raiders. Jersey Mike. Um, and the Raiders definitely did some mojo. But but let's say this. That Raiders defense is nowhere near as good as this Packers defense. If this Packers defense shows up like it did in Detroit, right? I think this offense can absolutely step on the throat of Kansas City's defense. Sure, they got Chris Jones. But who else? Really, who else is on that defense? that we're actually afraid of. To me, nobody. I think the only people who beat the Packers on Sunday is the Packers. That's it. That's all you got. That's all I got. I I can't think of how we lose this game unless we let these Chiefs just run all over us. I mean, Isaiah Pacheco, he's he's all right. Claude Edwards-Alaire, he's all right. What, Rashi Rice is going to be their guy? Sky Moore? Marquez Valdez-Scantling? Come on now. It's like they, these guys wouldn't even be starting on our team, these receivers for the Chiefs. I mean, that, that, that's where I'm at. Travis Kelsey's good, but he's been starting a little bit lately. I say we put Quay Walker on Travis Kelsey. We let our D-line hunt Patrick Mahomes down. Don't let him escape from the pocket. Play him like Russell Wilson. Patrick Mahomes, when he gets out of the pocket, is too good. Keep him in the pocket. Beat the crud out of him. Defend the run. And let our cornerbacks work, baby. I don't care what people say. I think our DBs can hang with the Chiefs. No question. Even if Jair and Stokes ain't out there. Even if it's only Valentine, Valentine, and Keyshawn Nixon. Even if it's only Jonathan Owens and AJJ. I seriously think the secondary can keep up with the Chiefs offense. I think they can. So it's on Joe Barry to not get stupid and let these guys eat. Keep that mentality up. Go, Peg, go. We get in that W. Yeah, I mean, on one side... You look at it and say, hey, they're, what are they, 8-3 and three or whatever for a reason. On the other hand, Detroit, <laughs> you know, um, 
are they really that good? I don't know. Um, I think probably Rasheed Rice would be a starter on our team if we're being fair. But aside from that, I agree. They're not very good. Uh, Travis Kelsey is obviously fantastic. Um, I, I just know off the top of my head because we I just did this for tomorrow's podcast, but the, the, the biggest thing is their tackles suck. Like, they're really bad. And similar to Jared Goff, the gap between how good he is when he's not under pressure and how not good he is when he is under pressure is pretty massive. He's got something like, I don't know, two touchdowns, six interceptions or something under pressure. It's pretty wild. So attack the tackles. We need a lot of Rashawn Gary. We need some help off the edge. We need these guys attacking off the edge a lot. But um, yeah, I'm not going to do a score prediction, but I love the optimism as always. And Hopefully, they can get it done. Hey, Ryan. Aaron here. Um, so I'm just going through my annual Apple Music Wrapped or whatever it's called. Yeah. And um, it was really predictable as to what I listened to, like, all the time. I knew what it was going to be. But anyways, um, my second most listened to artist was Ren. And I've been listening to him constantly. Nice. Um, so which reminds me that um, I made a call earlier in the season when his album Sick Boy dropped. And it got cut off because it was you. It was before the game, so I'm just going to call back in because I completely forgot. Um, so I know we talked about high rent a lot, like mm-hmm. a while back, and um, I don't know if you've heard his whole album, but the f- amount of work that that guy was able to put in to that album when he literally was flying between England and Canada to get treatment the entire time. And he was, there was some absolutely incredible work that he was putting into that. Um, so if you haven't checked out the album, definitely check it out. It's so good. Um, as well as he released some acoustic versions of some of his songs while he was going through treat, like not like while during right, his right. treatment, but in his off hours after treatment, in Canada, he's filmed some live acoustic versions, and man, oh man, that kid is such an artist. Yeah, he's such talented. One of the one of the elite musical talents of that are alive right now. Um, so I definitely recommend checking those out if you haven't seen those. I don't know if you follow Ren on social or anything, um, but yeah, there's Money Game Part Three is one of the greatest music videos I've ever seen. It's a one take. Um, and the amount of coordination and you can tell his budget has gone way up for the video. Sure. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, just curious if you've seen, if you've seen any of Ren's music videos or heard any of his stuff, um, because I know that you really like Tyrant and then he dropped an album and yeah. Anyways, bye. So I haven't listened in a while. I, I really liked High Ren. I listened to a handful Oh, here's the audio again. A handful of his other songs, not a ton. Um, I couldn't tell you if I went through his full album because I don't really listen to albums. I just find stuff on YouTube and listen to it. But I will try to go through. Usually you can just type in the album and it'll pop up. Um, but I will do the uh, the money game. I've got that typed into YouTube. I w- just because I'm like that, I'm probably going to do one, two, and then three. I know High Run was also a one-shot uh, deal, which was pretty cool. There was one mistake in it that I noticed, but it was more to do with the uh, the acting not syncing up with the uh, whatever. 
But uh, anyways, very, very talented guy, no doubt about it. That's why I like YouTube. There's so many uber-talented people as opposed to, like, the radio, which is, like, you get a moderately talented to sometimes not even talented person, and then you put them in a studio with songs that other people created and then put a bunch of filters on it and then put it on the radio. Incredibly talented people out there. So appreciate that, and I will check that out. Brian, this is Nico. Let me just start... I tell you, what? if everyone has a superpower... I thought you were going to start rapping or something. I was like, what, what are we doing? I think everyone does. <clears throat> I believe yours is when you're, you're ranting on bears. And I, I love your ranting podcast. People don't like them. Why? What's wrong with people? Um, but I love your ranting podcast. And sometimes you rant on the Packers because, let's face it, they need it sometimes. That's right. And I love him because that's what I want to say, too. And like, yes, I'm not the only guy on the planet that thinks that. But when you rant on the Bears, I believe that's when, like, the, the superpower kicks in and you just like, kill it every time. <laughs> I love the Bear Rant Podcast. So amazing. Uh, so thank you for that. It was the highlight of my week so far, other than the Sunday. It would be kind of an interesting concept to have a Bears podcast that is a Packer fan that comments on the Bears like that. I mean, that's pretty close to what this podcast is, but like actually a Bears podcast, like it follows all the Bears news and everything else. And it's just trolling 24 seven. I don't know how many people would listen to it, but it would be a fun thing to do. It really would. Uh, it was a Thursday win. You know, I'm still five, nine of that. Um, so yeah, that was great. Also real quick, I was wondering what. You know, there's all the talk about us getting the receiver and blah, blah, blah. Um, I guess I could research this. I have a phone, but, you know, and I doubt you will, which right. is fine. But, like, how many teams have picked a receiver in the first round and then become amazingly better of a team, right? It seems like everyone chucking the top five receivers are crap teams, you know? That's true. I know uh, uh, Cleveland... The other Ohio team, um, the Bengals did it, you know, with Chase. And I was like, what are you doing? You need an offensive lineman. And that seemed to work out, although they didn't win the Super Bowl, but I think the team, the offense definitely got better. But I really can't think of a team that drafted a, you know, a top, you know, the first known receiver drafted a top receiver, and then the team got way better. Quarterback, yes. Running back, yes. Probably different defensive positions, but. So that's, I mean, would I like a Marvin Harrison? I guess. But I don't know. I just, I kind of almost think we're good for the receiver, you know? Um, it, it, it'd be great to get a, like, a fourth, fifth round, maybe speedster. Uh, I think Kyle mentioned that thing. Yes, I love that because you never know what you get. Because look at the three receivers we got last year. They all seem to be good. Um, so, yeah, I don't think you could just, I don't. I think we need to just Josh. I don't. I think this year's draft is one of Goody's best. I. I just hope next year is too. You know. So let's let's just keep this a roll. Let's go pack go. Let's beat the Chiefs on Sunday night football. That is a good point because you look at how many of these receivers end up becoming really good receivers, and there's a lot of them. Right, I mentioned the hit rate is quite high, but how much does it move the needle? And you mentioned the Bengals, and that's true. 
but a lot of that is Joe Burrow. And I'm guessing if Jamar Chase wasn't there, they would be still a very good team. Whereas if you remove Joe Burrow, they would be a crap team. How do I know? Well, we've seen Joe Burrow not play and they suck. Uh, last year, Drake London, or two years ago, or this, whatever. Drake London, great wide receiver. Falcons suck. Garrett Wilson, great wide receiver. The Jets suck. Chris Olave, great wide receiver. The Saints suck. Jamison William, crap wide receiver. The Lions are pretty good. Uh, go back another year. We mentioned Jamar Chase already. Miami Dolphins, Jalen Waddle, wide receiver. I mean, they're pretty good. Is that on the back of Jalen Waddle? I don't know. Maybe to some degree. Devontae Smith, Eagles, same question. In both cases, they're kind of the number two wide receivers. Um, I'm sure it doesn't hurt. But, you know, again, the, the larger question is how much does that single-handedly move the needle? And you could look at, for example, the Buffalo Bills. It wasn't the draft, but acquiring Stephon Diggs. Was that the thing that sort of supercharged it? Well, maybe, but honest, I mean, obviously the thing that supercharged it was the quarterback. And it's more so that the wide receiver supposedly unlocked the quarterback, which we don't know is the case, but we just say that's the case. And then, um, you know, again, the reason I'm skeptical is because if that's all it took, then why doesn't that happen everywhere else? If you just plug in a wide receiver and that makes the quarterback great and then the team's great, why is it just that one case? Or is it possible that the quarterback just got good after like three years? Atlanta also got Kyle Pitts the year before that. So they've got two and and Bijan, right? So they've added a bunch of Really talented players, uh, talented tight end, talented wide receiver, talented running back, and the team still sucks. You know why? We need a quarterback. Maybe the equation is if you have a quarterback, then it really makes a difference, in which case we're kind of back to, you know, do we have a quarterback? And if we do, should we add a wide receiver? Maybe the question should be, if you have a quarterback, how much does adding a wide receiver move the needle? Because, you know, I, I don't know how else to approach it because every other team that has a bad quarterback, I don't care how many great wide receivers you put on that team, that team is trash. All right, let's do, uh, let's do one more and we're going to get out of here. Something I was thinking about uh, for next year, just in the offseason, who knows where we're going to end up, but obviously we just need, we need a few coaches just to change things up a bit, right? Uh, I don't know, fire who, whatever, I don't care about it. But um, just bringing in different ideas to just keep things fresh and just because that's how you get new new innovation. You have, you have different ideas, you blend them, or you have different ideas, and then you're like, well, why do you do it this way? It's like, well, I do it this way, right? So somebody that I think would be a good, like, uh, like a senior, like, offensive analyst or a senior offensive assistant, right? Just somebody who's uh, kind of just in the background, like, helping to, like, just come up with ideas. Frank Reich, yeah, not the best head coach, but, and really not the best offensive coordinator, but just the way of seeing the game, because he comes from two influences, uh, Doug Peterson and Ken Wisenhunt. Doug Peterson, Andy Reid disciple, who, you know, it's kind of hard to nail down what he does. But basically, it's like the blend of the West Coast and the spread offense, right? And he's not afraid to do trick plays and all this stuff. Then you got Ken Wisenhunt, these five, you know, spreading you out five wide uh, offense with, uh, you know, West Coast principles. But you've got those different ideas in his background, taking that and blending it into a Shanahan-based uh, Mary, the run and the pass offense. 
trying to get everything to look similar. If you get that just lineage of offense blended into this offense and just get the new ideas, I think we have the potential of, you know, maybe bringing some new stuff to the table. I don't know where they are with uh, the current offensive coordinator and the staff, but I, I would just like to see some new ideas brought in, even though I, I think that we have a good offense when everything is run pro- properly. But I don't know. Just a thought. Go Pack Go. Well, as far as Frank Reich is concerned, he's going to make, I think, $9 bucks a year over the next three seasons to sit at home and watch football on his couch. Um, so I don't know I don't know if he wants to come in and be an offensive coordinator. I suppose you could always double dip, but um, I've, I've often kind of wondered about that. I think I've even mentioned it once in a while, the idea of, you know, coaching getting stagnant. Like at some point, you've kind of taught everything that there is to teach and bringing in different people with different techniques. I mean, it, it, generally for like the lesser coaches, I'm not talking about like head coach or even offensive coordinator, like defensive line coach, you know, you've brought everything there is to the table. Let's see what somebody else has different ideas, different ways of watching and seeing and studying the game, different techniques, different uh, pass rush moves and run defense. You know, I mean, there's just, just get some different thoughts in there. I mean, I, I suppose that the two counter narratives, one would be on a more personal level. You can't just keep firing people every couple of years because, you know, first of all, nobody's going to want to work there. Um, but beyond that, there's just, it's just probably not a super great way to I guess it's not a, it's not a great thing to do as a general practice as an employer. Um, the other being, if you find somebody that's a really good coach, you, you also have to keep in mind that in a draft and develop team, it might be less impactful for someone like Kenny Clark, who's heard the same crap from the guy over and over again every single year. But if you have what you believe is the best defensive line coach, you don't let him go because we're going to be bringing in guys constantly, whether that's through free agency or the draft whatever um we got to get guys up to speed with what we do here so that would be the uh so i mean i'm not opposed to it either way especially if if guys are you know i mean do we really believe we have the top of the top i think the thing that annoys me is i I don't think that even is really the standard it doesn't seem to me that the standard is we need to make sure at all times we're scouring the nfl and making sure that we have the absolute best it's sort of we hire you and unless you give us some egregious reasons to fire you you will stay here Granted, that's the way most workplaces are, but I just figure if you are at the top of the top and the most elite spectrum in the world, it should be a little bit more um, rigorous than that, I guess. I don't know. But anyways, I'm going to leave it at that. I got to get going, put the kids to bed and whatnot. You guys have a good rest of your night. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.